Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO of Fin, and I am joined once again by Mary Signorelli, a director of partner experience, and I can confirm she is a very dope individual. Mary, how are you doing today? Perfect. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about what it looks like to build a strong team. In our last episode, we chatted about not only have you worked in the channel for a bit, you were a teacher. And my life is, for better or for worse, filled with teachers at all levels. Uh, My wife, my mom, my brother, my dad, grandma, grandpa, uncles, aunts, friends, everyone happens to be, not me, I'm not a teacher. I would, I don't have the patience. Just not officially. (sighs) Not officially, I guess. You know, maybe I I do teach people some things all the time. I would never call myself a teacher. I'll put it that way. I don't have patience for that. So you've been a part of many teams. Not only are you on one now, but teaching teams are a thing, as I've learned. What does it look like for you to build a strong team? I think that you've got to look at culture for sure. Um, You've got to make sure that when you hire, when you interview, everything is directed at common goals, common values, and making sure that you've got a cultural fit because you can hire the smartest person. And if they can't communicate with the team, they don't want to be a team player. You know, it, I know the old saying is, you know, a bad apple spoils the bunch, but I've seen it happen. And, you know, you really have to be conscious of your team's needs and build a team that supports each other. So I think, I think it's just fundamental to the success of the organization to have a strong team. Yeah. I think definitely uh, you can set as many goals as you want as an organization, but there are these deeper drivers of what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of group of people do we want to be? How do we want people to perceive us that unite, unites you far greater than, you know, we're selling software to do X, Y, and Z everywhere. What are, what are some of the things that you think would unite a team? What are some of the culture, pieces of culture that people should look to hire for? The teams that I've built in the past, um, one was around tech support and, you know, customer success. You really have to have people that are willing to put others before them. I think that that's a huge thing. We talked about the shopping cart test, um, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You can have a quick sale and you can then have an unhappy customer or you can build a relationship. You know, you, you can't overpromise and then underdeliver. You know, it's almost like you have to underpromise and overdeliver to make the experience good. And you have to have a team of people who are willing to do that. I strongly believe in surrounding yourself with people who are smarter in areas where you're not, um, you know, so that you've got the competencies and all of that taken care of. But gosh, I think asking in the interview process questions about family, what do you like to do outside of work? Um, you know, just the whole well-rounded uh, picture of the person is really important when building a team. Yeah. I like to ask, uh, when's the last time you challenged somebody's beliefs and when's the last time you had your beliefs challenged? Because if you're not, if you're not in regular scenarios where 
one, you're willing to put yourself out there in such a way that somebody's going to challenge your beliefs, but two, willing to give somebody else that opportunity for growth as well by challenging theirs. And handling that respectfully is incredibly important because if everyone's just tiptoeing around each other and nobody wants to talk about where they agree or disagree, that leads to unmet expectations by everyone. Yeah, when I was a teacher, I've had, I believe, eight student teachers who've come under me and taught them and helped them to grow as a teacher. And I told them, we're going to have professional conversations and they're not meant to hurt your feelings, but you're here to grow and learn and they're going to be difficult conversations. And I'm sure that tears will be shed and (laughs) that's fine, but just know going in that, you know, you're not here to be my friend. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to help you. And so kind of setting that stage, even with employees. I think is super important that, you know, you're there to learn and, and growth is painful. You don't go to the gym and like you go to the gym and your muscles never burn, then you're never, you know, getting better. So same yeah. thing with le- learning and growth professionally. You have, if you're not challenged, you're not learning. That makes a lot of sense. So a lot of people feel this intuitively. A lot of people think about this all the time and would like to say, of course, we hire for values and culture, but then I see a lot of companies or you see evidence in uh, the news or anywhere really, or your friends talking about their own company or your family doing that, where it's clear a business missed something. Uh, they didn't build the teams properly and there isn't a culture fit and there aren't shared values. What do you think businesses miss? What do you think people miss most often that, that prevents them from building a team like that? I think that leaders who don't build diverse teams are really missing out on so many opportunities because your customers are diverse. I can speak about Finn. I think that when we came together as a team in Tampa, I've never seen more diverse people get along so well. And as I was sitting there just watching all the interactions, I was like, the one word that came to mind was kindness, is everybody is treated with kindness. And if I bring up something, you know, maybe to the dev team or something in I perceive it as a challenge. I've never been met with anything but a thank you. Like, we didn't think of that. We didn't think that, you know, maybe, you know, it should go that way. But we see your point. Just that open communication and kindness and treating people the way you want to be treated. It all sounds so old fashioned, but it's like so important. And people who lose lose sight of that lose out on a lot of opportunities. Yeah, they absolutely do. One thing uh, that's been very true as we've uh, built some of Finn together is that if you're not, if it's not your number one focus, if it's not the only thing, one of the only things, I'll put it that way. I can't say only or all anymore, but one or all. If it's not the most important thing you're focused on, then it'll fall by the wayside eventually. There will be a, a, a crack, a, a chink in the armor, so to speak, or somebody uh, won't be quite aligned or your company won't be quite aligned or your team won't or something because it's incredibly hard to make sure everybody's still focused on having those values and treating everyone with kindness, even something as simple as that, a lot of people lose sight of. Yeah. And I think the more you think about it, maybe it's because, you know, as I've passed the the 50 year mark, (laughs) you know, you think that those things are so simple and like, why don't more people get it? Yeah. Well, it's like losing weight is simple. Work out more than you, uh, or burn more calories than you put in to your body. However, it's in practice, an incredibly hard thing to do because you have to show up every day and be committed to doing that. You, well, you can take days off, but more so than not, you have to be dedicated to doing that. You can misstep, but you can't misstep all the time or you move in a different direction. True. We love cooking way too much. 
I love eating way too much, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank God somebody loves cooking. I mean, I like cooking, but I'm more of a uh, pragmat- pragmatist when it comes to that. It's I'll cook a chicken thigh. I'm not going to slow roast prime rib for <laughs> hours and hours and hours. I don't have, like I said, I don't have patience for anything. So nothing like that. Where do you think people mess up on this most frequently? Which steps should a, a company take if they're looking to build a team, whether that's a brand new one or maybe rebuilding an existing one from scratch? I think that if you're in that process, having a coach is huge. I had a coach, um, his name is Adam Petticord out of uh, Seattle, Washington. And he helped, really for me, it was about, I needed a sounding board that wasn't within the company to help me make sure that I was making the decisions for the right reasons and things like that. But I think that that's huge is a lot of people think that they know everything and (laughs) there's so much I don't know. And I'm happy to admit that. But um, I think that having consultants, coaches, peer groups, uh, things like that, and look at your team, you know, do they all look the same? Do they all (laughs) kind of, you know, think the same way? You need those diverse um, perspectives and things like that so that you can make the best decisions and, and help your customer. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing that you really do need to look Two is your interview process. You know, are, are you figuring out yeah. as much as you can about that person before you kind of bring them into the, into the fold, if you will? One thing I always hated about interview processes, not only ones that I was a part of, but when we had to start interviewing, when I had to start interviewing people, it's just like, a, of course, everyone knows how to interview well. Like you go online and you type in what are 10 tips or 10 strategies, 10 things I should do to my cover letter. And, you know, you spend an hour looking on the internet or watching YouTube videos and all of a sudden you're, you know how to be a star candidate. And I always hated that because sure, I knew I could go get the job is I just need to be whatever they're asking for. But that was not me. Like I wasn't myself. And then, so then I thought the same thing when we were interviewing, it's like, well, of course these people know exactly what to say and how to say it because while they're just being what we're asking for, that's when I try to come up with what's, what's a wacky question. What is a, What's a super question that, one, nobody could ever have a, an answer prepared for, and two, they've never gotten in their life. It's like, all right, if I can do that and it's valuable information, I think I'll get an honest answer. And that's when I, it's like, when's the last time you challenged somebody's beliefs? And my thought was, if somebody can't point to one in memory, any single, it could be a belief as like, uh, you know, the best Pokemon starter, you know, there's three that you get to choose from. And this is the best one. It's like, if you didn't, if you don't have a, enough of a sampling to pull from where you can't find one way you challenge somebody's beliefs, it's like, you're probably not going to do that here. And then conversely, if you can't remember a single time when somebody challenged your beliefs, you're living a life that is so comfortable, comfortable in regards to your thought and your actions and the motivations you have in life that you're probably not going to fare well when you are challenged because you're not used to it. Well, I think I told you in hiring, um, you know, like a tier one tech and asking them where they want to go, you know, what what do you want to be doing in five years? And they're like, Oh, I just want to be a tier one tech. Well, you're not the right person for this job. I want you to like tier one's like beginner. I want you to keep growing. And, you know, and if, if an opportunity at this company doesn't open up for you, I would be happy to recommend that you go somewhere else if it was, you know, best for them. Yeah. What is a, a bias that, that leads people to making poor hiring decisions? What's, what's one that you could think of off the top of your head? If you don't have one, I know exactly which bias I want to talk about. Well, you go first then. I'll go first. I think a lot of people make the mistake of believing that people that are like themselves, whether that's 
the way they look, where they came from, the thoughts they have, the education they have, the amount of money they make. Like, just think of people that are like you. I think a lot of people who hire make the mistake that people that are like you are the people to get the job done. Yeah, that's, um, that's a fatal mistake. <laughs> right. Uh, then you, it's like, if you, if you had left arms and right arms and you were trying to assemble them in such a way to get two arms on a body, it's like, well, if you only had left arms to work with, you don't have a right arm. It's like, you're missing half the equation. In reality, you know, decisions are much more complex than that. But that's how I've always viewed it is, well, I suck at so many things. <laughs> why? why uh, I, I always, re- I regularly make the statement to Josh, is like, you know, we're the only two unqualified people to work here, right? It's like, <laughs> why we wouldn't hire anyone that was remotely close to us as a result of we're not qualified to do any of this. So I think a big bias in the tech industry is that, you know, when I was growing up, everyone had to get a college degree. And like, if you don't have a college degree, then you don't get the interview. You don't, you know, it's so different in this space. It's that people go learn what they want to learn. If they want to be better at graphic design, they can go take some graphic design classes. They want to be better at, you know, coding. They can take, you know, other uh, certification classes. So I would say this might be uh, discrimination against age, but I would think that the older you are, the more reverence you hold for like a college degree. Yeah, it definitely meant a lot more to have a college degree 30 years ago than it does now, for, sure. for sure. And that with so many educational resources. And the, if, if, if you're a self-starter or if you're motivated in any way, shape or form, you can go on YouTube and at the end of three months, know more about a subject than most people who graduate college having studied that subject. Yeah. Just, uh, how interested, how motivated, how excited are you about the thing that you're, that you're trying to understand? There's so much access to information now that wasn't there when I was growing up. So yeah. to know that I've kind of been embraced by the young people <laughs> and that I, I contribute. So, um, you know, my skill set is very different than your skill set. And, you know, with other people on the team, that, that's why that, that's what makes a really good functioning team. Yeah. You have different people all pushing together in the same direction. Exactly. If you had one piece of advice for maybe somebody's a hiring manager, maybe they're about to, I'm thinking of scenarios, they're about to hire their first person to work with them ever, a tier one tech, let's say, what would your advice to them be? Listen, listen to what they have to say. Listen to what they have to say. Yeah. I think, what is it? We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you talk. That's probably good. And that way, if you are not a very smart person, but you don't talk, nobody knows that. So. It's like when I stop talking, usually people can't tell that my ideas are dumb when I stop talking because I just haven't <laughs> told them a lot. My, uh, uh, my piece of advice would be always hire for the person, not for their skill set. So you can teach a motivated person to do anything. You can't teach a qualified person who doesn't want to do it. That's what I would say. That's what I've found so far. Yeah, least. I always told my students, like, you know, when they'd come back to me for like college advice or anything, they didn't know what they wanted to do. I always um, told them to take communication classes because a business can't teach you to communicate. You know, they can't right. teach you to public speak, but they can teach you the business. Yeah. For for those of you listening, I was reading an article today about Freshworks. Freshworks is like this multi-billion dollar company uh, that was based in Asia. Uh, sorry, that was based in India. And they just did a presentation, the CEO just did a presentation where they took five key takeaways for why they are the best at what they do. Their second takeaway is Focus on people who have a learning mindset and mapping their talent to whatever job they're doing. Don't hire for the people who are qualified. Hire for the people who have the mindset of the person you want. You can teach anyone anything as long as they want to learn. Great point. 
Sweet. Well, thanks for joining us, Mary. It was a pleasure having you back on. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Once again, folks, I'm Connor, CEO at Finn, host of the Gone Fishing Podcast. It's exactly what you've been listening to, in case you were wondering. So <laughs> hope you have a great day, and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.